Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I hope you are doing well. We are now within 90 days until the end of the year. Can you believe it? It's been such an interesting year for me, and I'm excited to finish strong. I would love for you to take a few minutes to feel into where you want to be at the end of the year and start taking steps today to get closer to your dreams. You create your reality, so make it amazing. Speaking of amazing, today's episode fits that description. I'm happy to introduce you to Savannah Blake. Savannah teaches meditation and energy work through yogic and Vedic practices specifically aimed at those with anxiety. She spent most of her life frozen in fear to the point where she barely spoke until she was in her 20s, and she's dedicated the last 10 years to healing herself of this hurdle. She now helps others do the same through chakra work, energy practices, and lifestyle changes. If you suffer from anxiety yourself, or if you have someone in your life that does, this episode may help bring some things to light. We talk about different kinds of anxiety, what some of the triggers might be, and what chakras are tied to it. And don't worry if you aren't familiar with the chakra system. Savannah explains it all and breaks it down into easy-to-digest information. So without further ado, let's welcome Savannah to the show. Hi, Savannah. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. I told you before we started recording, I've been creeping on your social media and there's so many things I can't wait to dive into. That's exciting because obviously I love talking about those things. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, I like to have my guests either select blue or red and I have a blue book and a red book and I'll pick a random question from whichever book you choose. Okay. Well, always blue over red. (laughs) It's funny when I was little, my favorite color was red. Well, I had, I've had a lot of favorite colors for a period of time. My favorite was red. Now it's blue. Mine has changed over the years too, which is really surprising because I always told myself that the fact that my favorite color is blue is literally the only thing I'm sure of in the world. (laughs) And now I'm not even sure of that. So (laughs) depends on the day. It does. All right. Will we be able to create our own rain to prevent droughts 20 years from now? Oh, uh, if we go on the right path and yes, I say yes, but we can look at that from a spiritual standpoint or a scientific, which is in my world, the same thing, but we can look at it from like a technology standpoint, or we could look at it from a uh, not so technology standpoint. Right. Like, I think it's interesting to think about for sure. I mean, there's so many droughts in the world and you, you know, you hear about all the wildfires out West and everything. And like, it would be amazing if we could just create rain and then none of those things would be a problem. You hear about all the craziness in uh, Lake Mead right now. They're finding all these dead bodies because the drought is oh, making yeah. the water level so low. All fascinating. It is. No, I believe that we could totally have the technology to do that in and of itself. But then you can also look at it from a standpoint of how shamans and ancients did rain dances and brought it about. And is there any tangible stuff to that? I like that angle. Yeah. You think about Native Americans and yeah, they used to, which their rain dances are so beautiful. I love all, all their attire and to see them like out there dancing and stomping and drumming. It makes me so happy, but yeah, they used to to do these dances and then it would rain. Yeah. And uh, I've actually been listening to some things about that and uh, it's law of attraction stuff. So I love to see the ancient practices tied into the current spirituality, you know, it's the new age. It's where we're taking, we're moving out of the purely scientific right-brained world and culture and bringing this spirituality because we used to be just spiritual in nature. And then some things happened that we're not going to get into. And we lost faith and trust in all of that and just shut it all down completely. And here in the past 
I don't know how many years we've been bringing the science to meet the spirituality and seeing where we can tie all of these things together. And it's just my, my favorite thing in the world that we are moving into a future where both can be present. I agree. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody about how I never liked science as a kid being in science class. I found it incredibly boring and I wanted to cry because it was <laughs> so I feel about do- math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, really any of the subjects, but now as an adult, because of this spirituality tie, I find science so interesting and how like the quantum field can really be affected by things that are happening that you can't see or necessarily prove. So I think it's fascinating. Yes, absolutely. Me too. So tell me a little bit about what was Savannah like as a child? What was your personality like? What did you like (laughs) to do? Okay, so I was pretty much entirely silent my entire life. I didn't talk at all, really. And not to say that I was mute or anything. uh, I just was so ridden with anxiety that I was completely frozen in the background of everything. Couldn't move, couldn't breathe. So that was my reality for the first, like, I don't know, 20 some odd years of my life. I live in a little, like itty bitty, teeny tiny small town. Everybody knows everybody. I know all of my neighbors. My dad went to school with half of them. My grandfather went to school with the other half of them. I went to school with some of them. They know my aunts, my cousins, my bro, you know, like everybody. There are people who I've known from birth until who never heard me speak a single word until I was in my twenties and started putting all of this online. And I'm sure I shocked all of them. (laughs) So that was pretty much the entire basis of my childhood. Other than that, I spent most of my time in the woods, I suppose. (laughs) I grew up on lots of farms and they would give me, I had a cousin that was the same age as me and they would give us like a little shotgun or something and a four wheeler and be like, bye, be back by dinner and we would. So <laughs> that's how I was raised. <laughs> I love that. And I think so many people are missing that element in today's society. Like going outside is so therapeutic and it's yes. so good for you. And, you know, now we've got billions upon billions of electronics. So we don't ever have to step foot outside if we don't want to. <laughs> ever. And I'm very techie oriented. So I will lose myself for days at a time sitting at my computer and not even realize that I haven't been outside, uh, especially in the winter, right? I'll start getting my anxiety will start coming back up and I'll start like having these panic attacks that I have no idea where they're coming from. And it's because I haven't been outside in a few days. <laughs> Mm, so can we dive into anxiety a little bit? Because I, I know a lot of people with anxiety. I I would say I just get it periodically here and there. I'll get this feeling of panic. But generally speaking, it's not something I live with day in and day out where I know there are people who really just that is a part of their life. So how do you deal with it? You said you still so you said the first 20 years of your life, you didn't hardly speak and that you still deal with it. But clearly you are now a different person you've evolved. (laughs) So what has happened in that time that you have learned to kind of work with it, embrace it? What does that look like for you? So uh, there are a ton of different types of anxiety. And I think I have tried them all out. I think the universe wants me to like really be educated in this subject. (laughs) So (laughs) so when uh, in the first huge chunk of my life, it was self-image based and self-esteem based. And I was terrified anybody was going to look at me. I lost range of motion in my neck and shoulders because I was so like curled up in a little ball all the time, just trying to hide myself from anybody. That ca- a lot of that came from being bullied a lot in school in various directions and whatnot. But then I got out into the real world. And because like I mentioned, I grew up in a small town where everybody knew everybody. And when you grow up in situations, communities like that, uh, you don't have to get to know each other to know each other because you already quote unquote know each other. You know, you don't have to talk to that person because you already know who they are, or at least we think we do. Right. I got out of high school 
and started interacting with strangers for the first time in my entire life. And these people were coming up to me, you know what, coworkers and people in college and stuff. And they're like, hi, I'm such and such. What's your name? And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of energy. You need to back up. (laughs) (laughs) And, And granted, my defense mechanism back then was I have to I, I tried to appear not really standoffish, but big and bold, like scare them off before they. So, people coming to me and breaking down all my walls were very happy, very like high energy because I was like, no, back up. But they <laughs> kept on and kept on. And I'm so thankful now that they did because these people made me uh, see myself for the first time as not such a bad person, not such a whatever the bullies had said, whatever that person had said, what all of these things I had internalized my entire childhood, my entire teenage years, you know, started breaking all that down. And I started wondering, you know, well, if they don't think I'm so bad, well, maybe I'm not so bad. Well, who the hell am I then? Right. And uh, so I started exploring that and trying to conquer my anxiety so that I could breathe, so that I could step out into the world and do the things that I wanted to do because I had spent everything on the, on the sidelines. I had watched other people participate in events and sports and martial arts and like all of these super cool things that I wanted so badly to be a part of, but could not bring myself to be like, hi, I'm here. Please let me, can I join, you know, because of the fear of rejection. So I started finally breaking down those barriers to my anxiety. And then I decided to have children and was introduced to postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother ball game. <laughs> oh, and then I had some trauma-based anxiety. I had two really bad wrecks in one weekend, the same weekend, totaled two different vehicles and subsequently did not drive for the next six or seven years. Oh my gosh. So there was that that I was dealing with. I would get in a uh, every time I got in a vehicle, I would have a panic attack to the point to where I would have to pull over because I was in the process of blacking out. It was really bad. But when I had children, I kind of not only was that amplified with the postpartum anxiety, but I also had no choice but to drive them to appointments and stuff because I didn't have anybody else to drive us, you know, and it was felt like it was kind of ridiculous to be like, hey, mom, can you drive me and my kid to their appointments? So I did slowly just conquer those fears by not only forcing myself into these positions and facing it head on, but also with mindset work and reframing and mindfulness meditation practices, that kind of stuff. And uh, if that all wasn't enough, (laughs) after I had my daughter, which was my second, I had suddenly hives all over my entire body. It was on it was, it was so bad. It was on my hands, on my legs. And I went to dermatologist after dermatologist and they all was just like, it's eczema. There's nothing you can do about it. it. You'll be like this for the rest of your life. And I could not accept that because I was so, it was so bothersome, not only on a physical level, but on a mental level that it felt like my whole nervous system was fried. I couldn't properly function in the world like this, like at all. And I bring that up because there, I did finally find a doctor who found it was a soy allergy. So I found that out, cut it out of my diet. The rashes went away, the hives went away. But for the first time in my entire life, so did my anxiety. Mm. So what I like to tell people is, Anxiety is our body's alarm system that something's wrong and it doesn't tell you what's wrong. It just sometimes it'll give you like hints here and there, but other times it's just like I'll be having a full blown panic attack and my husband's like, wow, what's going on? I have no idea. I wish I did. Everything's fine. I am sitting here. There's the kids are playing. Everybody's healthy. You know, there there's nothing going on, literally nothing. And yet my 
nervous system feels like I need to run and I'm going to hyperventilate and I just can't function. So yeah, it's an alarm system. And I had, I had been diagnosed with a soy allergy when I was like two or three years old looking for another problem. They were, they just kind of stumbled across that, but we didn't see any correlations to it causing anything because sometimes allergies are pretty more or less dormant. You don't really notice that they're causing anything. But when we discovered the soy allergy and I had by this time, I don't want to say cure because it always comes back, you know, situations and circumstances, but I had more or less cured my anxiety to a point to where it didn't bother me much at all anymore, except for when I cut the soy out and it for the first time just went away. Like just for the first time I felt peaceful and calm and spacious and not constricted and like the world was closing in on me. And I was like, holy crap, this whole time, my whole life, like sure, other things caused it, but I already had this layer of allergy-based anxiety that we didn't know was a thing that needed to be addressed. And well, ever since I've just been like, yo, y'all, y'all, have you checked, have you checked allergies? Have you seen if that's what's causing your anxiety and whatnot? Because from what I can see, it is a new, it's not, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there are people out there who are aware that this is a thing and whatnot, but everybody I've talked to have been like, what? Soy caused that. I'm like, yeah, soy caused that. Yeah. Wow. I would have no idea that those two things would be connected. Yeah. So I lead people through, um, first you got to figure out what brand of anxiety you have. What is your alarm system trying to tell you? And from there we can kind of start working on things. Do you tend to find people have more than one going on at a time or is it only you can have this type of anxiety and that is all you can have right at this moment? Oh no, you can have several. (laughs) You can definitely have several. And some people are more prone to it than others. And then some people have never registered anxiety in their life. And that is insane to me. But then like my husband's one of those people. He, to him himself has never felt anxiety, doesn't comprehend it. Neither does my father. It's just, you know, some people don't, but since I've learned so much about it and recognizing the signs, I can see it in them. Sometimes they just don't realize that that's what's going on. And to them, it may present as a stomach ache or even a headache. And they're just like, I don't know. I just don't feel good. And I'm like, you're freaking out about this thing over here. And they're like, no, no. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> mm, that's so interesting. I'm just thinking I have someone in my life who's very close to me and I'm picturing certain scenarios where this is playing out. So that's really fascinating. Is the only way to know that you have an allergy to take a test or is there some other way that you might be able to tell? Well, the first diagnosis I had when I was like two or three was like a skin test or something. So you can do that. But the way I found it this last time with the eczema was they put me on an elimination diet. So you, you heard of those? I have. Yeah, they're pretty extreme. You take out all of the main allergens for those who haven't heard of it. And you slowly, after about two weeks, you let that get out of your system. You start adding back one thing at a time until you find the culprit. And chocolate and coffee were one of those things. And I just automatically was like, it's not, it's not that. So (laughs) (laughs) that'd be me. I'd be like, "Um, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I I encountered a lot of people like I could never, I could never. I'm like, I mean, I could never with coffee or chocolate, you know, it just, it wasn't those, (laughs) but you gotta, you gotta decide what kind of, cause we all have to deal with some level of crap in our lives. You just kind of got to give and take and decide what level of crap you want. You got to sacrifice some things to get rid of, or at least try to get rid of other things. And that's what it was to me. So have you, I know we talked about chocolate, coffee, and soy. Are there other things that you commonly see that could cause anxiety? And the reason I'm asking is I am relatively sure that I have a dairy allergy, However, living in Wisconsin, I love cheese. I love ice cream. I love milk, (laughs) all the things. And I'm not quite to the point that I'm willing to give them up. But do you ever see anything else that is sort of a very common thing that might cause anxiety in terms of an allergic reaction? So I haven't come across anybody who yet in my clients and whatnot, who's willing to go that far into it. 
any allergy can cause anxiety because once again, it's just your body's alarm system. And some of us have a really overactive alarm system and the slightest of things sets it off and other people's alarm systems are really chill. And they're like, ah, it's fine until, you know, like the whole place blows up. So if you are someone that experiences anxiety and maybe you're not willing to go in through this elimination route, or you don't want tests, what are some things you can do to help relieve some of that anxiousness that you're feeling in your body? Uh, So definitely unplugging every now and then all of that electronics that we were talking about earlier. It's we evolved in a very calm community like scenario situation where you very peacefully woke up every morning and then you very peacefully went and tended the garden and then you very peacefully had dinner. And then, you, you know what I mean? And like the problems that they encountered in our like our ancestors and whatnot were more extreme than the ones that we often have to deal with now, but they weren't as, it wasn't as constant as it is now. See, back then, if someone got bit by a snake, like, yeah, it was a big, big freaking deal, but that only happened like, you know, once every few years or something. And I'm like, that's just one scenario. But nowadays, because our minds can't, differentiate between what's our stress and what's their stress or what's you're in what's a car accident and what's just homework that's coming up and is due you know it's all the same level of stress so when we hear things on the news our body takes that in and when our friends are telling us things our body takes that in you know it happened to them but we're re-experiencing it ourselves when we especially if you're more on the empathetic level of existence, secondary trauma. Is that what it's called? Secondary exposure, secondary trauma, something like that is a real thing. And it's, you can totally get high levels of PTSD from just witnessing things through your phone that didn't even, you didn't even come into direct contact with. So unplugging is definitely make space to just step back from it all. I turn off all notifications on my phone. Every There's zero notifications on my phone. In fact, I don't even put my phone, my phone's on silent 24-7. I will, when I see it, when I get to it, and I mean, like, I don't completely ignore it. If something major in the world happens, somebody lets me know. But I mean, what can I do about it most of the time anyway? <laughs> uh, sit around and think about it and stress about it and make myself sick over it because that's all stress does. But yeah, just... Not only stepping back from that, but looking to minimalize. I'm big into minimalism. Everything holds energy. And if if your space is cluttered, then that's the kind of energy that you're going to bring into your being. And that's going to, you know, your inside reflects your outside and your outside reflects your inside. So you want them to be a direct reflection of what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're trying to cultivate an inside, a mindset that's calm, peaceful, spacious, essentially clean. And I hate using the word clean because it people, people freak out and they're like, I don't want to clean. Well, it's not cleaning per se, because it's, it's that negative connotation, you know, as children, we're like, clean your room, clean your room. We don't want to clean our room. That was not fun. But it's really cultivating that outer atmosphere that you want because it's since we become such a physical, concrete society, you know, we got away from that spiritual aspect and into the physical, into the scientific, which is the same thing in my world. But anyway, it's a lot easier to look and see your physical space and start there. So we start there and then from there we work on our bodies as well, because that's also something physical that and concrete, tangible that we can hold on to. And now's a perfect time to move into the chakras because they work the exact same way. So you have seven chakras. Well, you have a lot more than that, but we focus on the main seven. So there's three lower physical chakras, three higher spiritual chakras, and the heart in the center that connects them both. So the heart is considered both a physical and spiritual chakra. Just like, have you ever heard of Maslow's pyramid? I have heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So 
again, same concept, because when you start looking into energy and healing and all of that, fractal patterns come up and really everything's the same, just on different levels. So you start at the bottom chakras, just like you start at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that's your basic your basic needs, your for survival, for living, for existing at all, food, shelter, just your basic needs. You cannot move up until those are met. So you work on your physical, bottom physical ones first, and then you can get to the heart. And once we get to the heart, that's where community kind of comes in and because it's love, you know, that one's a pretty intuitive one. We all know what the heart kind of stands for. It's a love, but most importantly, we have to remember because we often forget that it is love for yourself just as much as it is love for other people or receiving love from other people or relationships. People forget about the self-love. Okay. I uncover a lot of problems with self-love in what I do with anxiety because people are made that if they allow themselves to love themselves, they're going to come off as egotistical or stuck up or people are going to judge them or think badly of them or they're bad people now or something like that. So they block all of that off in an effort to be seen as kind and whatnot, you know, all the good aspects that they want to embody. Yeah, but that's a society and culture and thing too. But once we get past the heart chakra is when we can start to really understand the more spiritual aspects of life and society and culture. So all of that's so amazing. So let's see a couple of things. I just wanted to go back to when you were talking about anxiety was things that you consume. And so what I've noticed as I've kind of gotten further on my journey is I don't watch as many of like the horror movies and things, you know, the slasher films, because like I was actually having like a physical reaction and I would be just as stressed as if it was really happening to me. Yes. That's not to say I don't still love some true crime documentaries here and there, you know, but I, I monitor how I'm feeling and I can tell if it's not sitting well with me, I'll flip on a Hallmark Channel movie or something. You know, something that's a little. I really like cartoons. Mm, cartoons are good. <laughs> um, and I love what you said about your environment, kind of your inside dictates your outside, versus and vice versa. Because I notice that when I have a cluttered space, I start to feel really anxious, mm-hmm. and I know intuitively now that I'm like you know what? I need to just pick up. And like you said, I hate the word clean, but make it something that feels good to me and be a space that I'm happy to be in. I left my corporate job over a year ago and everything got tossed in my office and it sat there. And every time I walked into my office, I just had this like heart palpitation, (laughs) like, I hate being in here. And so a couple of weeks ago, I just cleaned it all. And now it's back to being my sanctuary, my safe place, my place I like to be in. So I just wanted to touch on that because I really resonated with that. Yeah. Can we talk just a little bit for people who aren't familiar with the chakras, take us through the seven and just kind of what they are and what they mean to us. Okay. So our world on a, like just the bare bones physics top of level is just energy. Everything's moving energy swirling, moving, flowing all of the time, your energy, I'm energy, the devices we're listening to this and recording this on is energy, everything, everything, everything without exception. So the chakras connect us to this energy. More familiar than the chakras is our aura. Usually people have heard of our aura pretty across the board. Well, our chakras connect our physical bodies to our aura per se, they're a energetic organ in our body. And they're always picking up on everything because through the chakras is what the energy of the universe flows into our bodies and through our bodies and then out to join the rest of the universe. So in doing this, they pick up negative energy and it becomes stagnated and you want to keep it flowing at all times. So each chakra... And like I said, there's, there's seven main ones, even though there's tons and tons of different systems of chakra systems that have been explored through the ancient world and whatever not, but the 
main one that everybody's pretty familiar with is the Hindu chakra system, which comes from India. And it has the seven main ones going up the spine. They start at the bottom because energy flows from the earth up through us and then out our crown to join the rest of the energy. That's why I was talking about how you start with the bottom one and you go up because that's the way the energy flows. And if you have blocks and like energetic blocks in your chakra. Okay. So the first chakra is the root chakra. It's your basic needs and whatnot. So an example of this becoming blocked would be you grew up really poor and you never knew when your next meal was going to be. There was pots and pans catching all of the rain coming through the ceiling So that would cause a energetic block in your root chakra because that's your bare bones survivalist needs to live type of chakra. And since childhood taught you that those things are hard to come by, you know, if you didn't have a stable place to live and you're always having to be moved around, or if you were hungry a lot, then your needs weren't met. So that puts blocks in this particular chakra and these can formulate because our chakras govern certain aspects. And if it's healthy and flowing in a good, healthy manner, then the aspects that it controls will also be healthy. So you would have no problem keeping a roof over your head and clothes on your body and food in your stomach. But if that is blocked, then you may have problems there. And There's at least three different chakras that I tie to anxiety, and this is one of them because, you know, bare basic needs, it's kind of a really big deal. So if you have a block there, since the energy flows up from it to the rest of the chakras, it's going to stagnate that energy from flowing to the next chakra, which is then going to cause issues there. And then, so the next chakra is your creative chakra, your sexual chakra. So it creates... governs all things creative and sexual. And uh, it's also our inner child. So, and our center of emotions. So all of those things that can be damaged by people telling you that artists don't make money until they're dead or, you know, all of those, you're not creative or, oh, you know, comparing yourself to others, like, oh, they can draw better than me. So I guess I just can't draw. And then shutting that down. Lots of things. Lots of things. Being told your emotions don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. So having those hushed. Just really quick before you move yeah. to the solar plexus. Oh, no. So that's where um, if you have had sexual trauma in your past, yes. like that's kind of where that lives. And yes. and again, then it, because it's almost a block, you can't flow, keep the flow going upward. Right. And That is a big one too. And so there's no wonder that people who have those types of traumas have a hard time functioning in all of the other areas of life that we would consider not even related to that. Mm. But it is. They're all, it's all related because we are all a whole. In that, you also see that even though each chakra governs a specific uh, branch of things, they all kind of run together. And you'll see overlaps in them because we are a whole individual. And in the grand scheme of things, you really cannot differentiate or divide the head from the toe. It's all connected. It's Mm -hmm. all one person. But yes, absolutely. Amazing. So then what's the next one after that? Okay. So the next is a solar plexus. And this is your center of energy and success and confidence Um, those types of things. So it'll be like your work ethic and your energy level, like your physical energy levels, because all these chakras govern physical, mental, emotional aspects, as well as quality of life, because, you know, your inside reflects your outside, your relationships, everything, literally everything that you come in contact with that is you, that you touch can be affected by a chakra or is picked up by a chakra or something along those lines. So once you get the first three physical ones, you move up to the heart, which we kind of already covered. It's, you know, love relationships and stuff. So, and this one is actually so important that many chakra systems have the heart as a double chakra. So it's two side by side. And so that, I thought that was really 
really awesome. It's also said to be where the spirit resides and how we think that we live in our heads because that's where all of our senses are. You know, it's how we perceive the world and interact with the world the most. Uh, But it's really our hearts is where we exist and are. And the rest is just kind of radiates. Moving up from there is the throat chakra which is our sense of self-expression. And I actually just recorded the, I did a podcast series on all of these chakras individually. So going like really in depth to each one and the throat chakra is our center of self-expression. And I think it's awesome with the working on them from the bottom up, you really don't feel safe expressing yourself and being your full self until you find the love in your heart that comes not only for loving who you are and wanting better for yourself as like a personal level, but also from feeling the support and love of those around you as well. So once you have that, you can really start exploring the top spiritual chakras, but everybody always wants to jump straight to the top spiritual chakras because they're the fun chakras. You know, they're the ones that where all the psychic stuff and otherworldly stuff and the things that we're not so attuned to anymore come in. So everyone wants to jump straight to those, but I always recommend that, especially if you have anxiety, do not do that. Do not do that because not only do you need to get a solid foundation going first and you need to make sure that your solid foundation is healthy, your physical stuff first, before you can start exploring all of those. But uh, if you jump into that, So we're moving on to the third. We'll just go ahead to the third eye chakra since that's pretty much what I'm talking about now. Uh, People want to jump straight to this one and just blow it open. And then they start like seeing things and hallucinating and just having really bad mental health stuff going on. And they don't know how to cope with all of this stuff uh, because their life may be kind of wreckish. And you can't be dealing with all of this while you're still trying to figure out how to pay your bills. You know what I mean? So, and that's how it's just, it opens up a whole can of worms. Once you got to level yourself up. So the third eye chakra is is exactly that. It's your third eye, your intuition. It's your center of knowing and understanding and trust. Trust is a big one that a lot of us have problems with. Uh, Not only trusting other people, but trusting ourselves, especially. And then our crown chakra, which is the top one, and there are more above that, but I don't really cover those because these first seven are more than enough for most people to worry about right now. But the seventh chakra is our crown chakra. It sits just at the top of the head and it is our center of connection and community and with other people. It's our center of connection to source, whatever created us all and whatever we all go back to and whatever name you call it, it's all the same thing. And our connection to each other, the energy and all of that. So I think I have not followed your advice. I feel very connected to my top four chakras, Mm -hmm. the bottom three, not so much. And I've actually been told I have uh, some major blockages in my sacral chakra, Mm -hmm. but I haven't done enough work to even know how to start to fix that or what that means exactly. So I would be interested to know if you have any advice for specific chakras or just overall how people start to work through those blockages. Yeah. Okay. So there are things like Reiki healing and meditation and crystals and energy work, you know, in all sorts of different ways that can help. And then you can get into like color therapy Each chakra is associated with a certain color. So you can work on your sacral, which its color is orange. So you can wear orange, surround yourself with orange, that kind of things. And all of those help. But the best thing that you can do is look at the aspects that that chakra controls and kind of sit with it and I'm going to say meditate on it, which the word meditation scares everybody off, but all meditation is, is sitting and thinking who I am, why I am, and why the, why I'm the way I am. 
Why is that person the way they are? Why am I like this? What made us, what made this happen? What in my past caused me to think this way? And that's where all of your blocks are going to come from is situations and circumstances that you came in contact with that made you believe or think a certain way in an effort to protect yourself. And thank you for, you know, all of that protection, but you're causing problems. You need to, you need to go on. But in order to release that block, you have to identify it and then rework it and try to understand it. Creativity, sexuality, inner child, uh, those things can, that's a big one for a lot of people because the way we have treated children in the past was kind of subpar to how uh, we should be treating them. We treat them like they're not as important quote unquote, as adults, they're not on the same level. Yeah. We're told, we tell them to hush and we tell them to go on and we tell them to go play and we reprimand them when they didn't even understand what was going on. And I fully, fully believe that the way we create a better world for us all and the way we heal the world for us all is by focusing on the children and caregivers for children moms especially get kind of pushed to the wayside when they are the center of society and everything everything they're literally everything without them there is no future and however we program these children because that's essentially what's happening is the first few years of your life you're learning how to you're being programmed to learn how to interact with the world and people around you and if those experiences are negative then you produce a uh damaged adult that needs healing. And oftentimes you get stuck in the mindset that you had when the trauma occurred. So now we have children, damaged and hurt children, walking around in grown-up bodies, (laughs) uh, having to do grown-up responsibilities. And it's hard for them because they were not taught the proper ways to cope with their emotions and to learn how to deal with other people's emotions and the interactions that comes with those. But yeah, that's, but uh, so sacral, the reason I got on that tangent was um, that's our inner child. So a lot, that's very, very, very common to have lower chakra issues because inner child's down there. And however we were interacted with as a child, you want to really sit with your inner child. And all that really is, is recognizing that you are a hurt child because we all are. Every one of us, everybody on this planet is a hurt child. There is very few of us that got out of childhood unscathed. (laughs) So And that also helps to interact with others because when people, when grownups, when adults are acting childish, it's because they essentially are, you know, like we grow and I don't know what age you hit until you actually felt like a real adult, but Mm, (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm, I am full grown and sometimes I'll be like such and such is coming. And I'm so happy that there's going to be a real adult there, (laughs) (laughs) even though, you know, they may not even be, but yeah, just sitting, just recognizing that you are an injured child and thinking back to how that happened and reframing it in your head to know like not only how it should have gone because we don't want to put the shoulds in a place of blame because it was just hurt children that was raising the hurt children you know and those patterns just get passed on and passed on and passed on until someone wakes up to their existence you know so the the sacral issue if you can't come up with anything whatsoever which is rare okay and it, Sometimes it'll, if you've been doing chakra work for years and years and years, and you've been pretty successful in clearing blocks, and then suddenly you have a block come up and you can't figure out where it came from, they can be passed down from not only from your parents in a sense of them interacting with you, but when your mother's pregnant with you and she incurs some trauma while she's pregnant with you, that rate, that energy radiates into you or even your grandmother. I mean, you know, we're, we're all connected so thoroughly, and that's when you get into like these generational curses and whatnot. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about it that way, because when you think about 
you as a person, you were an egg inside of your mother who was an egg inside of her mother, you know, like it can go back so far. And when you think about it, it's just really amazing. I can't wait to dive more into your podcast series. I'm going to go back and binge on those. It sounds amazing. You mentioned that there's three specific chakras that are related to anxiety. And you mentioned the root is one. What are the other two? Yeah, the solar plexus and uh, the throat. Okay. So people can, if they notice that they can work on removing those blocks or looking at how, why those things are there and then removing those blocks and that may help them feel better. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's shadow work is what it is. It's just the chakra system is just another system of healing. And there's lots and lots and lots of systems out there. This is just the one that I fell on and gave me the most progress, I suppose. And things just started really clicking because once you, it seems tantalizing at first, it seems like there's a lot, but once you start, it's only seven. And once you start understanding what each one goes to, it's quite intuitive. And then you can just kind of oh, and place it automatically. But I mean, even even now, sometimes they kind of jump around for me, and I'm like, is it this one or is it that one? I'm not sure. And in that case, you can get a pendulum and do a chakra reading by just dangling the pendulum over each chakra, and it'll show you what that chakra is doing at this moment. But take it with a grain of salt because it'll only tell you what that chakra is doing in this moment at like this exact moment, and it can change with nothing more than a thought about it. So I've done readings where uh, the chakra will be really open and active, and if I say anything about it, it'll shut down because the client will be like, oh, and they'll hone in on it mentally and it'll just completely shut down. So it's kind of a directional tool in that sense. So the way I do it is we read your chakras and we see which one's doing what, and that'll kind of give us a pinpoint of which chakra to focus on, which will then take us and we'll lay out all the elements that that chakra governs. And we'll just start going through the things. And more often than not, the client will be like, oh, it's that. It's, it's definitely that right there. So then we'll start exploring that and trying to dissect it and understand it. And we'll find the block in it all because energy blocks are like a physical thing, but they're caused by our emotions and our thought processes and our belief systems. So you have to find the emotion or the belief system or the thought process that's causing the physical block or else, I mean, you can, like I said, you can do Reiki and whatnot, but for the most part, it's just a band-aid. It might clear it for a little bit, but that pattern's going to come back. It's going to resurface until you pinpoint it and fix the core issue. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think that the mind body connection is so fascinating. And I don't think it's talked about enough because there, you know, people are like, you shouldn't feel this way, or you should feel this way. Not realizing that what's going on in your body and your nervous system is 100% tied to what's going on in your head and the thoughts you have and your feelings again of self-worth and all of it, it's all tied together. And so I love the work that you're doing because it's so needed in this world. Thank you. I think so too. So tell me a little bit about what kind of offerings you have or the way people can work with you. Okay. So I have for free, I have a Facebook group that's pretty active. And mostly we just post memes that deal with mental health (laughs) and uh, joke around about how stressed out we are. But we do, we follow the phases of the moon in there because I use that system as well, because, you know, trying to do all of the things all at once, like there's so many categories to life and how do you properly manage all of those? And the phases of the moon really help because during certain phases, you focus on certain things and then you can focus on certain other things during other phases. So we do that pretty routinely and make vision boards every new moon and just kind of follow through from there. So that's a fun thing. But anyway, uh, I have courses online and I have, well, I had, a, I had several eBooks, but I recently took all of those down to redo them all. So I'm slowly in the process of re doing all of those. And I will be releasing those throughout the next, however long it takes me to release them. (laughs) But time time is just an illusion anyway, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And getting hung up on it does nothing but hold us back and give you anxiety (laughs) and give you anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. But I do offer some one-on-one coaching too, for people who I, I have, I have tons of things out 
on my blog and on my podcast and in my Facebook group that it is all DIY-e if you want to for completely free because I do all this stuff really is needed and I really do need people to just I don't care how you do it. Please just fix yourself, heal yourself, be happier. Um, don't pass on your crap to your children. Please to God for the sake of us all to create a better world. That is my goal. But if you do want some one-on-one personal help, I'm there for that too. It's whatever they need. Just come hang out with us and we'll go from there. Amazing. And what is the name of your podcast? Align Vibe Flow. I was... <laughs> I was, uh, I'm really bad about getting hung up on names and wanting to make them like awesome and meaningful and, but it holds you back as well. And the circumstances that arose to my pod, cause I never intended really to make a podcast had me just kind of slap something up there for SEO purposes. And I was like, a proper name will hit me eventually. And at that point I will rebrand it and it'll be fine. So Align Vibe Flow is... <laughs> Amazing. And I will make sure that I link that in the show notes. But before I let you go, you mentioned about moon rituals and moon cycles and moon phases. Can you tell us just a little bit about the different moon phases and what's the best thing to be doing during those times? Okay. So we start at the new moon. The new moon is the first moon of the cycle. It's for new beginnings and new goals and all the things that you want to focus on throughout the month. And I take it a step further by introducing the fact that each new moon is in a particular zodiac and each particular zodiac rules and governs certain aspects of life. So whatever aspects that that new moon is in is what you should be focusing on for that entire moon cycle. So we make our uh, vision boards on the new moon for, I think this past one was Virgo. So that would be for health related and organization purposes and stuff. So those should be kind of where you point yourself towards. And from there, it's just kind of working towards it until you get to the full moon. So most of the work work, like, active work goes from the new moon to the full moon. And once you hit the full moon, everything kind of starts revealing itself and everything starts kind of coming together and you start understanding patterns and aspects. And essentially they call it the fruits of your labor is what you see at this point. And from the new moon until the next, or sorry, from the full moon to the next new moon, you're just kind of refining that And then cleaning and clearing everything that doesn't fit those purposes and then planning and getting ready for the next new moon. So you have a active stage building up to the full moon, and then you have a passive stage where you're dialing it back, resting, thinking, contemplating, meditating, releasing all of those things until you get to the next new moon. I love that. Yeah. So the way I always think about it is new moons are like you said, new beginnings, a time to set goals, really thinking about what you want to manifest over the next month. And then the full moon is letting go, releasing, surrender, kind of things like that. Absolutely. Um, We just had a full moon here not that long ago at the time that we're recording this and it was raining here. And so my daughters and I put out some glass jars under the night of the full moon, which you couldn't see because it was raining, but we collected a a big jar of rainwater from the night of the full moon and I filtered it now. And so we have it if we want to use it for rituals at any point in time later, but that was the full moon in Pisces. And I heard it was supposed to be very potent. So, Oh, it was for me, but my, my moon in my moon is in Pisces. So uh, (laughs) yeah, my daughter's gosh, she has her son in Pisces, but she's got several planets in Pisces. And so she was feeling it. A oh lot. yeah. Yeah. I, I think I cried for like two hours and then I was fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, you just got to move through it for me. It was interesting. So my son is in Virgo. So just the opposite. And I was really feeling a couple of days later, I was feeling it. And I was like, I don't know if this is related to the moon or just something else, but so fascinating. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I just, my birthday was, let's see only a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Before I let you go, I would love for you to tell my listeners the best place they can find you. 
So uh, my website is earthandwater.co, so .co, and everything's linked right there. But I'm on every platform. You just go there and you can from there decide what platform you would like to see me on, except for Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been loving your content. I've been watching a lot of it. Thank you. So the last thing, I have five rapid fire questions that I would like to ask you. And this is just so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. It's not meant to be stressful and you don't have to answer quickly. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What is something that makes you laugh? Oh, gosh. I was watching the Crudes with my kids last night and I laughed a lot. <laughs> Some of those kids movies, I'm telling you, like those are like those things are gold. I love those. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? Probably exactly what I do already. I would like to say that I would I've been trying to learn guitar for years on and off. I'm very drawn to music. Uh, which makes perfect sense with the energy work type of things I do, because the only thing that exists really is sound, but that's another subject entirely. But honestly, I would probably just keep on doing what I'm doing. (laughs) I'd spend another hour on my computer. What does the world need more of? Healing and love and compassion and understanding. I agree 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I might already know this, but we'll see. What do you love to learn more about? Myself and the world that it, we exist in. Mm. Every everything I have done, every is has been in pursuit of trying to understand myself, those around me, and why we are the way we are. Everything. So that's what I would like to learn more about. And you know, the energy stuff. Like we're, I'm just now hitting the third eye and crown chakra levels in my life of understanding and things are just absolutely insane. We could not, I mean, we can't imagine, we just have to get there, but everybody has to work on the lower stuff first because you can't get to the higher stuff until you have the foundation. That's my homework though. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to work on my lower chakras. (laughs) All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? You know, I've thought about this a lot. And I can never really come up with much of anything other than trust yourself, trust yourself, because I have definitely been on a path my entire life that was completely very different from everybody else that I came into contact with. So it fostered a lot of doubt in myself and what I was doing and where I was going, because I don't have a quote unquote conventional job and really haven't ever been able to do that. Like, I mean, I could, I, I, I waited tables for six years, so like I can do that if I have to, but doing the stuff I do now and knowing the stuff I do now, you got to trust yourself. It's so important. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think you have given my listeners so much amazing information and myself, and I can't wait to dive more into the chakras. And I just can't thank you enough for everything you've shared with us today. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak on it. I loved chatting with Savannah. The work she is doing in this world is so needed. If you know someone with anxiety, I invite you to share this episode with them. It means the world to people when they know they aren't alone, and I know how much they would appreciate the gesture. Here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, anxiety is our body's alarm system that something is wrong. It doesn't tell you what is wrong, although sometimes you may get some hints, so try to listen to where you are feeling the anxiety in your body to see if that helps. Number two, In some cases, anxiety may be related to something outside of you, such as a food allergy. This can be diagnosed by a doctor or by doing an elimination diet. Any allergy can cause anxiety because it's your body letting you know that something is off. Number three, if you are feeling anxious, try unplugging once in a while. We live in a state of constant activity and our minds can't differentiate between different kinds of stress. Anxiety can even be caused by watching something on your phone. By taking time to step away from it all, you give your nervous system a chance to return to homeostasis. Number four, the chakra system is made up of energy centers located in your body, usually along the spine. While there are many chakras, we focus on seven of them. 
There are three physical chakras, three spiritual chakras, and the heart chakra in the center, which connects them. Our chakras connect our physical bodies to our energetic aura, so each chakra is attributed to different parts of our body. Number five, there are three chakras that are tied to anxiety. They are the root chakra, which is associated with basic needs, the solar plexus chakra, which is associated with success and confidence, and the throat chakra, which is associated with self-expression. If you are feeling anxiety in any of these areas, or if you feel blocked, experiment with different modalities such as meditation to see if any of them work to alleviate your anxiety. Once you identify the block, you can rework it. Thanks so much to Savannah for joining me on this episode. I have linked all the ways to connect with her in the show notes. I learned so much and I'm excited to dive even deeper into how the chakras affect not only anxiety, but all areas of our lives. And if you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 